it's just inspiring to see where you are today and the ways in which God has used you. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Do you believe in life after addiction? You better believe it. Now, the host of Life After Addiction. Hey, 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 30. Episode 30. Big 30-3-0, baby. I like it, I like it. So last week, uh, we talked about the resurrection power on the heels of Easter weekend. Mm. And man, that was amazing. And what Mm. we really wanted to focus on, just as a recap, is not letting that just be a weekend of the year, but living that out every year and, right. and just the power of Jesus and what that means for our lives, for your lives, for everyone's lives. And so we thought it would be nice and we kind of teased it uh, to bring in some stories of that power, bring in some guys who've come through the program, some alumni. And we thought none better than to start with Ryan Rhodes. Now, if we're honest, and I don't think he can hear us yet, but he was probably our 15th, 16th pick, right? Yeah, I think it was 14th, but yeah. <laughs> 14th. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just joking, Ryan. Man, Ryan, it is an honor to have you on uh, as our first alumni uh, to talk about uh, just your life and everything, man. Thank you so much for being here, and welcome to Life After Addiction. Yeah, thanks for having me. And, uh, you know, I don't I don't mind being 15, 16th pick. I know there was probably hundreds of, <laughs> of potential people. Yeah, so yeah. I mean, there was a big – there was actually a list, and we made sure you were on it. No, but, man, you are you – are, doing so much you're involved you're plugged in but uh ryan tell the people let's start off with just telling the people a little bit about you uh and your story sure so um going back to around college age which was a long time ago now guys it's a long time ago we are uh so i i swam at i swam at ut um, university of tennessee the real UT is what he meant to say, but yeah, the, yeah. yeah, thank you. Go ahead. The, the OG UT, I think is what they mm. call it. The OG UT. Mm. Um, <laughs> so, uh, but I, yeah, so I went to the university of Tennessee and, um, after shortly after that, where I did not graduate, uh, I, uh, found myself in addiction, lived in a life, you know, in a life of addiction for most of my twenties. Um, and then found myself at S2L. Uh, I went through S2L a couple times, worked there for a little bit, and uh, you know, finally God uh, freed me from that addiction. And now I'm in Huntsville, Alabama. Uh, and since my time at S2L, I've uh, been married, uh, still still married, same same woman. Uh, I have a son, and uh, you know, we've we've helped plant a church. Um, I've learned how to play music, just all kinds of crazy stuff that, that has happened, uh, that, that God's blessed me with. So, yeah. How awesome yeah. is it? I mean, the, the podcast is called, he, he just briefly described his life of addiction and the podcast is called life after addiction. He just talked about planting the church, planting the church, starting baby. some things. Hey, let me dive into that too. So the church is called rocket city church. It's in Huntsville, Alabama. If you don't have a church home, go and plug in. I, I've followed, uh, this, I followed Ryan and his journey uh, man, I could say, if you don't have a church home, go and plug in. Find Ryan. You'll see him. Uh, he normally dresses very unique in the aspect of, I wish I could pull off some of the things he does with the hats and, and the shoes. But uh, go find him and say, hey, I, I listened to the podcast. I want to check out this church. Please do. 
But man, also you're plugged in and the ministry is kind of sprung off of that and you're plugged in and uh, you're using um, our, uh, the lost and found curriculum, right? Uh, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, when we when we decided to, to join with Rocket City Church, a uh, big part of the reason that we decided to join with them, um, well, we prayed about it for a long time because it was a big decision for us, but uh, the pastors there uh, had a heart to reach the community um, and not only the community, but in particular, they wanted to reach men that are about our age, uh, which I thought was really cool. Uh, they wanted to focus on that because there's a lack of manly presence, godly, uh, godly men in our society and in our churches. Uh, so that was a really cool aspect, but yeah. So since we planted, uh, we, we have, uh, outreach programs in the, the local rescue mission, the homeless shelter here in town. Uh, and uh, I get to, uh, lead a, uh, a group every every week and we go through the lost and found curriculum and it's been man it's been awesome just the guys that show up uh when you go to our church we meet in a movie theater and uh we have a whole row that is just guys that that are from that life group uh, yeah uh and and they stick out like in a good way you know what i mean like you know those guys are from the mission and everybody loves on them and so it's it's a really cool really cool thing yeah that's amazing man and that's that's we, and you know, I know you've heard us, but just from the rooms of recovery comes the revival of a nation. Now, God uh, wrecked your life, or you wrecked your life. God allowed you to wreck your life, and then all of a sudden you found him and who he says you are, who he's, you realize who he is, who he says he is, and now all of a sudden he's using you to make disciples of all nations. And from the rooms of recovery, the revival of a nation, and now you're doing something you feel called. Um, and, man, it, there's a boldness that comes from knowing that <laughs> I'm damaged goods or I'm secondary citizen. I've, I've done these things. My life's wrecked. People see me this way. I see myself this way to being wrecked. And then gone, especially just coming off of what happened a couple of weeks ago with Easter and seeing what he paid for. Mm. And then the boldness that comes from that and to hear the stuff I've heard. I mean, Ryan's preached to the youth and I've tuned in on that. I've seen he leads worship as well. And he's a songwriter as well. And, I just tune in on all this stuff, and it's just amazing to see what God's doing in your life. Um, now, Chitterser had some very deep theological questions for you, and I told him <laughs> you're not going to stump him because Ryan is an intellect. Um, oh, gosh, that Ryan, not you. Oh, I think gosh. I think everyone knew which Ryan I was talking about, but no, I'm just joking. Dive in, man. Ask away. Yeah, man. Um, I'm just excited for you to be here today. Um you're a product of that resurrection power, man. And I'll never forget the first time we met. We were on the volleyball court, and I might have met you earlier that night or the day before, but my first memory of us is sitting on that volleyball court. We were doing a group. I think it was with Steve. Um, and I just remember talking to you just for a few minutes, man, and you had such just like a gen gentle, kindred, loving spirit, man. And ever since that day, we've grown closer and closer we obviously don't see each other you have a family um you have a wife you have a, a son and stuff like that but man i've always had this close connection to you and with you and it's just inspiring to see where you are today and the ways in which god has used you and where you are at man it's it increases my faith it's why we do what we do to see men come through the program and have their life radically transformed by christ uh, but my, what leads me to my first question is, was there maybe a marker moment 
um, whether it was here in the program, whether it was shortly after leaving here, maybe it was prior to coming here, that you can stand on like, man, that moment right there touched me in, in a profound way that kind of was the catalyst for me walking in Christ. Maybe it was a moment where I realized, I recognized, man, this life of freedom is possible. Mm. Uh, yeah, but before I answer that, I have to say, do you, re- I don't know if you remember the very first words you ever spoke to me. Ryan. No, I, I don't tell me uh, that. So, well, first of all, Ryan's very, Ryan's a very special guy to me. Uh, we were, we were in the program together as students. Uh, we, we worked at S2L together and then Ryan was my coach at one point too, my life coach as well. Uh, he was at my wedding, you know, so he, he holds a special place in my heart. Uh, but the first words that Ryan ever said to me came up to me. And I, I think at that time I was still smoking cigarettes. I was probably, you know, puffing away. And <laughs> he comes up to me and he says, he says, hey, man, I just wanted to tell you, you have a beautiful soul. And I didn't know this guy from, you know, anybody. I was like, what? looking around like, are you talking to me? Like, <laughs> anyway, that was a, that was a uh, lot but... <laughs> better first words than he said to me. So, so... <laughs> So good. I guess I leave an impression. Uh, but uh, yeah, to, so to answer your question, uh, was there a moment? Um, there's probably a couple moments uh, that I that I can recall. I, I can remember being out in the woods, uh, walking around in, in the back of S2L campus and kind of struggling with whether or not to surrender. Uh, and then just in the moment, hitting my knees and by myself in the woods and just, you know, bawling like a baby uh, and, and surrendering. Uh, and I think at that point I I didn't know what else to do. So I think my prayer for a few weeks after that was like, Lord, I surrender, like help me know what to do now, you know, is all I knew how to pray. Um, and then the second, the second time I went through S2L was, was tough. Uh, that was, that was a lot harder for me, uh, for, for a lot of reasons, but I was, I was mainly because I was newly married and, had just found out my wife was pregnant. Mm. So it was really hard. Um, and I was there under the impression that my wife would probably leave me. Um, and Ryan was my coach at the time. And I know that that was not an easy case for him, I'm sure. Um, but there was, there was just a moment where I had to, it was, the decision was clear that I either had to trust in the Lord or I had to continue in my own vile deeds. Um, which is something I just read in God's word this morning, actually. But, uh, and that was, believe it or not, that was a really hard decision. And, uh, thankfully the help of God and the people that he put in my life, you know, made the right decisions. Yeah. And let me touch on that. So there's a, there's a wide range of people that listen, um, a vast range of people that listen to life after addiction. No, but I mean, let's say someone who just got out, uh, and then maybe someone who's been out for a while or someone who's never heard of S2L but got turned on to Lost and Found. Why do you think it is, man? Why do you think that decision is so hard? Because thinking about it now on this side of things, right, uh, however many years removed, it almost is insane to be like, that was a hard decision to choose the own throw up that I keep returning to that's only brought me pain. That's only brought me suffering. That's wrecked every relationship and yours. You're expecting a divorce as you come back in You're she's pregnant and she's an amazing woman, by the way, Nancy, shout out to you. What an amazing woman of God. Absolutely. I'm so, so happy that, that God puts women like that in our lives. But mm. 
Why do you think that is, man? And I mean, not not asking like a, a medical or whatever, but I mean, just just because we we've tasted that, we know we've been there, and it's hard to explain. But why do you think it is that we choose the the bootleg pleasure over the real deal so much? Oh, that's that's a very big question, and uh, you know, I think that that obviously that's something that people will ask for a long time, but. Uh, I, I think that our, our, our nature is just to be sinful. And I think for some people that manifests itself differently. I think for, for guys like us, for people like us, that manifests itself in uh, a type of destruction that's more obvious. Uh, the ramifications are harder. You know, uh, that pursuit of pleasure is just the consequences are harder. Um, and I think that can just get so deep seated that it's hard to let go of. Um, to the point where you don't know anything different or you're scared to death to try anything different, mm. I think. Um, yeah. No, that's, that's good, man. Cause like how you ask that, it's a, it's, it's a common question. Why would you go back to the same thing knowing it's going to look the same way? And I think a part of it is our inherent sinful nature, but then I think another part of it, at least for me personally, was like convincing myself that I could still have God on this side and somehow control my addiction on the other end and it not look like this, you know, path of destruction that just takes me down these long, dark roads that I could like balance both, if that makes sense, which it doesn't. But I think sometimes we rationalize that and justify that in our own minds uh, because, yeah, me coming through here three times, I think that was part of it. I could have the quote unquote best of both worlds. I yeah. could still get high on occasion or indulge in my, my flesh. And then I could still serve God. And obviously we know that ends very badly, but yeah, it's, it's difficult, especially when you just say that out loud audibly, like yeah. why would you choose the same thing when you know it's going to be this outcome? Yeah. And I'll answer it out the way I think, I think I, 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 you, I, 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 yeah. I wanted to f not feel this way. I felt depressed. I was bored. I was wronged identity problem. Yeah. Right. I had a problem knowing who I was and idols were made. Yeah. And I, I can't remember, probably Ryan can help me with the quote, but our heart is an, an idol factory and it's never idle and making idols. Mm. Uh, and if I was honest, I was that I played God, never thought that I've never even said that never even thought that, Hey, but if, I mean, everything was about me and every, my whole life was that, and man, that is a recipe for destruction. I mean, the Bible's clear on idolatry. Uh, I had history of knowing that when I served this God, it ended badly for me. It was pain for everyone around me. And I would just, I would just, say the reason that I did it and the reason that I kept going back to do stupid stuff that like only ended badly was because I thought I knew best and I was the God of, and I was sovereign over my life. And it wasn't until that I was wrecked as, as we talked about with Ryan and go back and hear my testimony. I'm not going to dive into that. It wasn't until I was wrecked and I saw whose identity I was, I, I become, it yeah. wasn't when my eyes were on God and I was no longer trying to be him. Everything changed, man. Everything changed. But speaking of that, and then Ryan's going to ask you a couple more. What are you, uh, what are you diving into right now? I'll try to ask any alumni that we talk that I talked to. Uh, one of my first questions is what, what, what are you diving into in God's word? Where, where are you at? Where does he have you right now? Uh, so I, I have a, a text group 
uh, with some guys and we're going, we go through books of the Bible, uh, do a chapter a day. And right now we're, we just did Psalm 53 today, um, which was a good one. It, it, uh, I'm sorry, I'm pulling it up. I should have already had it up, but I didn't, but, uh, but yeah, Psalm 53, it talks about, uh, says the fool says in his heart, there's no God. They're corrupt and they do vile deeds. There is no one who does good. Uh, it's just that was a good reminder this morning of, of uh, the kind of person that I was before before Christ. Um, I, I was literally a person that said there is no God, you know. Um, anyway, but there, and there's always these there's always verses that that, I've, you know, I've written on my heart that uh, that I stay close to. Second um, Corinthians one four is one. Uh, you know, God comforts us in our affliction so that we can comfort those who are going through the same affliction. Mm, that's good. It's kind of like my life motto. Uh, Revelation twelve eleven, which I think I heard from Bruce Stanley first time. Um, actually used that one in, in church yesterday. And uh, so, yeah, anyway. Yeah, I wonder, just a little uh, nerdy humor here. Do you think that April 1st should be called National Atheist Day? Based on the Psalm scripture, <laughs> <laughs> April Fool's Day. Anyway, sorry, sorry. <laughs> a little church humor. Go ahead. No, I got another question for you though. Um, so, man, just a big part of who you are today and why you are where you are. Um, a big part of your testimony is from an addiction that led you directly to the foot of the cross. Yeah. So, what is what would you say one of the biggest lessons that you learned from your addiction was? That's a good question. Mm. Mm. I will say that uh, my perception of my past with addiction has changed the farther removed I, I am from mm. it. Um, like the, clo- the, the closer you are to that addiction, uh, the harder it is to see or to reason out why you're going through that stuff, why God would allow that stuff to happen, right? Mm. Um, it, doesn't, it doesn't make a lot of sense. But the further removed I am from it, the more I can view it as, as a blessing, um, and an opportunity to, to help others, to, to get on the same, uh, field as somebody else who's going through the same thing. Um, yeah. And, and I think that that's, that's just kind of how I view it today. I I'm, I'm in a weird way. It sounds funny to say, but like, I'm grateful for my past, you know? Uh, and there's, and you could look, there's, 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 I think there's two ways to look at it. Like I could look at my past and be like, man, I, all that failed opportunity and, and missed potential, right? Like all the things that I could have done that I didn't do. Um, I could very easily, like Adam said, find my identity in that. Uh, but instead I can look at my past and, and say, you know, God saved me from that. Uh, and now I get to use that story to bring glory to him and to save others, you know, yeah. to help save others. So. Yeah. And I mean, Ryan gave us permission off air, just there's no question off limits. And um, this isn't like a banger, but it is personally about you and just just knowing Ryan's walk. And I see this more and more. Uh, I mentioned earlier, Ryan's just an, he's an intellect. And so walking with Ryan in this journey, I believe at one point you would have identified as agnostic um, or would you say atheist? I, I used to tell people I was a nihilist. So I don't oh, even God, help. That, okay. And yeah. so I knew I know I'm just really enjoying communicating with Ryan and, and he was deep into philosophy and he was studying some of the, the mind, the great minds of, of our time and before our time. And so 
talk with the one listening who's struggling intellectually and seeing this because I know that was your story, man. You until you started, um, I became very. I, mean, I became very interested in philosophy, but primarily theology, which led me to philosophy and some of the the great minds of our time. But that was after God saved me. You coming in already a part of that, and there's almost a community of intellects that it's it's almost shuns the idea of God or being a, a God being sovereign over and a creator of all things. Walk us through kind of just the moment as Ryan was talking that, I don't know the question I'm trying to ask, but that intellect with your mind knowing certain things and standing on certain things as a nihilist, and then boom, God exploding that to you in your mind, which is a great gift and tool that God's given you. How did that, that's different than a lot of people's stories in the aspect of, for me, I grew up in church, right? I'm, and, and I know you did too, but I never had that moment. I always, in Ryan's story too, we always knew that there was a God. Mm-hmm. Uh, always knew that there was something out there. Uh, we didn't know him, and we didn't have any relationship with him, and we were spitting in his face constantly. But kind of describe the moment, because I, I believe there was a really unique story inside of that where God just opened up your mind even more to like the beautiful truths and how that, how that, what effect did that have on you? And how did you process it? Yeah. Um, I think, uh, you know, I think that I, I found my way to God or God showed and revealed himself to me, uh, you know, through scripture, obviously. Yeah. I can remember key scripture, but also through other, like you said, philosophers and books and, and uh, stuff just kind of started adding up. Or other, other philosophies kind of started breaking yeah. down, if you know what yeah. I mean. You know yeah. what I mean? Um, you kind of consistent start seeing, you start seeing the holes in those, in those things. Um, and the belief that there's, you know, that there's not a God is, is a major fallacy. Um, but, uh, but, but I'll, you know, I'll say this. I, I started out that, that search looking for, for all the answers, uh, and while I was looking for all the answers, the more and more I realized that I'm never going to get all the answers. You know what I mean? And God's word even says that, you know, he says, you know, um, what is it? Ecclesiastes 3.11 says you're never going to know the, uh, God's plans from beginning to end. Um, it says in the New Testament, I forget where, I think Thessalonians or something, uh, that he's made the the message of the cross foolishness to, to people and, and that he's going to do away with the 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 intellect of the uh, of the intelligent and the, and the wisdom of the wise um meaning that you know earthly wisdom and earthly intellect are nothing to compared to what god uh reveals to to his children um so anyway I, there was there was a lot of stuff that i read but honestly just getting into god's word revealed more and more truth the veil was removed and i love the way that you put that because i think that's so interesting it, it's almost to me outside looking in and even for myself, because I nerd out on this. It's almost as though when the veil is removed, when God begins to work on your heart intellectually, you become more honest and humble. And, and so you, like you said, you said the search was, and what I realized was I'll never know the truth. I'll never know the full, I know the truth, but I'll never know. I don't never have this amount of knowledge and how erroneous is it to think that anyone thinks that they could search it. And so it humbles you to the place of knowing, man, God's gifted me with a great mind, but I can't have 
God's ways are higher than my ways. And then also the part about honest is because if you really press um, someone who has those claims, who does not believe in uh, God or the things that if you really press them to the foundation of their own beliefs, it crumbles. And so they're not, they're unhonest about it to find loopholes so they don't have to skate around what they're really saying and what they really believe. And so it was amazing the way you put it. It was like <laughs> started poking holes in my belief system and my philosophy. And it was like I started to, the veil was removed when God's word began, and I started to see the fallacy in those, and that I couldn't back those anymore. Not because I didn't want to, or not because I didn't uh, have a desire to go with these things that I've just been studying. But I see it, and I honestly I can't proclaim this when I know it's going to sink over here when this water starts to rise. So I thought that that was, I thought that was really cool to think, uh, just the way you worded that caused me to go down this rabbit trail. (laughs) And you and I talked like this Go ahead. And, and another thing was, uh, you know, I, I, I tried, I think in my heart, I, I was raised around the gospel and around the truth. So I was aware of it and I knew what it was, but I wanted so badly to believe otherwise and, and I know now that the reason I wanted to believe that way and tried to proclaim that way uh, was so that I could, like I said, you know, live in my own, according to my own passions, my own desires. Um, because, because those, like Ryan said earlier, those two things, they can't occupy the same space, you know, living for God and living for yourself. They can't occupy the same space. Yeah, that's good. That's good. Mm. All right. I got, I got another question for you. Um, what advice would you give a man, whether he just completed a program, maybe he's still struggling with sobriety. He can get a a couple months here, maybe pick up a month here. What sort of advice would you give them, um, just to embark on his new life in Christ? Say it as a new believer, someone who just found Christ. But as we know, man, we came to find Christ and we still found that there's real struggles. You know, it doesn't take away all your current struggles. It doesn't take away temptation. It doesn't take away the things that we face, just the trials and adversity of life. What sort of piece of advice would you give to them? You know, maybe a sense of a, a hope or encouragement or maybe just something tangible or applicable that they could do to help them overcome those those first few months. And I'll add a caveat to that. These guys that Ryan's describing, maybe they're starting to believe that there's not life after addiction. What would you say to them? Um, I would say to them, I, I think that a common denominator for people in that position who are still you know, freshly removed from that lifestyle, a couple, couple months clean. I think that, uh, that there's, there's still this impulsivity in them. Mm. Um, this, this eagerness to, to, I don't know, do something right. Other than just sit and be patient Mm. and, and heal and let yourself heal your mind and your body heal. Uh, it takes, it takes a while, you know, to get there. Um, and I I would say to, to just be still, I would say pay attention to the people that God has put in your life um, and, and submit to that authority. That's also hard to do a lot of times. Um, but, uh, you know, yeah, that, that's tough. And then, and then, you know, further out from that, I think if you, I, I heard a very wise man say one time in a classroom that uh, success for the Christian is, is obedience. Mm. I don't know. I don't know if Adam even remembers saying that, but it was in one of Adam's classes. He had no idea. You just quoted no, it. Well, we, uh, uh, we all knew when you said wise man, who you're referring uh, to. I mean, God, no, no, that's awesome. Man. But yeah, I think in a nutshell, if you had to boil it down, just staying obedient, man, is, is so important. Yeah. And just the, just the four pillars that we talked about. I mean, 
everything you said is so is so accurate and correct. But if you don't even have that man in your life, that that, that if you're a, a woman, a woman, or a man, or a man in your life that you allow to speak into you, if you don't, if you're not plugged into a body of like-minded people, there's first steps. But ultimately, if you are and you're just like, Mah, then what he just said was brilliant. Be still and know that I am God, he says, right? And that's not the end of the verse because you're almost just like, be still, right, fine. I'll be on the bench. I'm not going to do anything. I'm just going to be still. And that doesn't mean sit on your hands because the rest of the verses, my name will be proclaimed in all the nations, hmm. right? Be still and know that I'm, meaning I'm in control. No matter what you think you need to do, no matter that you've, I just need to go preach, I need to go, I need to go proclaim the gospel, or I'm nervous to do that, or, or whatever that idea is, be still and know that I am God is not sit on your hands. It's obedience, as he said. It's, well, what are some of the things that you know God's called you to? Well, he's called you to a lot of things, whether your gifting's beside. You're gonna, he's going to use you in the way that you're gifted and he's given you, but you know that you're supposed to be obedient. You know that when he says, be still, it just means this. Turn this off. And I know that sounds impossible, but a lot of that has to do with trust. Mm -hmm. Do I trust God is who he says he is? And so when you're still up here, you allow him to speak. You allow him to, to search me, O oh God, and know my heart. And from that becomes amazing things. Like, did you ever think that you'd be doing a podcast for about addiction no no neither did i did you ever think you'd be preaching a sermon to the youth group no no, not no. At all. and so it's like okay i never my plan is not god's plan but god's plan is best right carl did you ever think that you would be a producer or come on preaching and teaching class and writing godly music i mean no hey carl writes music as well we need to connect you all at some point he's yeah, let's he's do it good. Um, so yeah, I mean, I think that's, I mean, that's like an amazing way to end it is this, this call. If you had one more thing that you'd want to say, you, you gave great advice there, Ryan. If you had one more thing you want to say to someone, whether it be positive, whether it be uh, Hey, watch out for this, whether it be, um, whatever it is, what would, what do you want to leave the people with? Um, I, I would say this, that, that following obedience I found in my own life and I can see in other, other people's lives, other Christians lives that following obedience, God gives you the desires of your heart. And that's, that's something that, you know, is a very churchy thing to say and, you know, people stitch it onto pillows and or whatever, but it's true. You know, I mean, it's true. Like, let me give you, let me give you a couple of examples. I swam at the university of Tennessee and for the longest time, my identity was wrapped up in I'm a swimmer, I'm an athlete. And that was, that was wrong. It was ungodly. Uh, and, and since coming to Christ, I've found my love of sport again and, you know, something like triathlons or whatever. Uh, I found a love for that again. And through that avenue, I found a new community and a way to witness to people. Mm. Um, same with music. Music's always been a big part of my life. And, uh, and now I, I, you know, I started, I learned piano when I was in rehab because I wanted to play worship songs oh, wow. for myself. And now, now I'm able to do that and lead music, lead worship uh, for other people. I didn't so, know that. I um, thought you had either. always played piano. I know, piano. same here. I, I thought you that. always wow. played piano. Mm -hmm. Wow. No, no, I never, I grew up, my mother played piano, but I never, I always refused to learn how to read music until I uh, was in the last rehab that I was yeah, in. Yeah, one of the sweetest yeah. things that I saw, mm. and I don't know if it was... I don't know if it was live church service, but one of the sweetest moments that brought me to tears was you and Miss Faith, you and your mama, 
uh, I think y'all played a song together and sang to lead something. And I mean, that brought me to tears just thinking about it. Just that, that was pretty special. That reminds me of when you played, what was the name of that song you played on the piano at your wedding to your wife? Oh, what yeah. was the name of that song? Well, he wrote it, right? Uh, no, I didn't write that one, but that was rough. That was rough. That was a, uh, that was a, yeah. Was I it Matthew that. West? I, I can't remember. It was Matthew West. When I say I do, oh I think. Oh, my gosh. I absolutely <laughs> love that song. I showed Carl that a, a few weeks ago. I don't know if he remembers. Oh, that's such a classic. Yeah, funny story to leave you on. I, I can relate to why it was rough for obvious reasons, but it was out in California. Nancy, his wife's from California. Beautiful, beautiful, beautiful venue. I mean, it was a magical oh wedding. Gosh. It was I mean, absolutely amazing. I mean, I was officiating the wedding, and I know what you mean when it was rough, when like the peacocks that were just there peacocks were just there we started making noise and i was like oh i've never dealt with peacocks before crying kids check some kind of drunk uncle check but a peacock skimmering across or whatever noise i made i was like oh okay don't have this in tennessee but that, but it was awesome that's exactly how that's exactly how peacocks yeah too. yeah <laughs> he just said peacock and a, a bird voice let me hear your. You were there. You heard it. I don't no, know. let's no, give it a go. I've never heard a give peacock a make a noise. At his wedding, you didn't? Mm-mm. Oh. Not that I recall. I'm not saying they didn't. Okay. But that was an amazing time, man. That was that was a good um, a good time. I got it to was. bring my wife out there, and that was the first time that we together have been to California. And so, man, Ryan, awesome stuff, man. Thank you so much for your time. Guys, please check out Ryan on his social media. Uh, encourage him on his journeys as he's running. He's coming to... Uh, well, you would have just finished your, when this comes out, you would have just finished your uh, half marathon coming back here to Middle Tennessee, and it's happy to announce he won that. Oh, um, okay. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Congrats on the first place, man. It hadn't happened yet, but we're, and it, when this airs, it would have happened, and he won it, so he we're won. excited, man. It's yep. another medal that you get to put in your case. Uh I don't know if that's how prophecy works. <laughs> Congrats though. on the win, though, man. Seriously, we knew you could do it. We knew you were going to do it. It was really cool it. that you wore our sponsorship logo as you were running Sponsor the Pod. We ask all of our guests to sponsor the pod. But, uh, yeah, man, anything coming up? Uh, I know you're doing some shows, some, some musical shows at some coffee shops. Anything coming up that's online or in person that you want to encourage people to do? Um, well... You know, we play every Sunday online, but we we may have some some stuff coming up that we'll put okay. online. I'll, I'll keep you updated. Yeah, go follow him, sure. Ryan Rhodes, R H O A D E S. Man, I'm thankful for you. I'm thankful for what God's done through you in my life, and just watching your growth. Uh, and man, God moving me to a way to desire to grow and to be better. So, man, I'm thankful for that. I'm thankful for what He's doing in your community. And uh, Ryan, love you, brother. Thank you, guys. It was an honor. Life After Addiction is a production of S2L Recovery. If you have any questions you'd like answered on the podcast, email them to info at springtolife.net. That's info at spring, the number two, life.net. And for more information on addiction recovery, visit s2lrecovery.org. You're fearfully and wonderfully made. 
God looks at your heart, not your gene size. Do you know the verses yet still stress over your body? Oh, I get it. I was raised in church, but I struggled with food, eating disorders, and my body for decades. I'm Heather Creekmore, host of the Compared To podcast, where we talk about all things body image and comparison from a biblical perspective. We get real about the pressure to focus on appearance in a culture where looks seem to matter most. Whether you're wrestling wrinkles or battling the scale, Compared To Who is the show for you. You'll laugh a little and be encouraged a lot. If you're ready to stop comparing and start living, visit lifeaudio.com to listen and subscribe.